Welcome, everybody, to the Banking on Innovation podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Liz Wilberton at Synovus Bank. Liz is the head of consumer banking and brand experience at Synovus. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jody. Glad to be here. So, Liz, you and I met about three and a half years ago for the first time, and we've had lots of exchanges and interactions since, but it sounds weird to say that I think we only met again live at the digital banking event recently in Austin in June. I guess that's a function of the, the remote world we're in today. It is. It's crazy. You know, that was such a good event because you could feel the energy in the room. Uh, a lot of these people connect you, and just like you and I, over three years. Gosh, we've connected a lot. We've participated on a lot of events together, but seeing each other in person, there's just there's just something awesome about that. And the energy there was great. And it was good to see you. You too. Yeah. So Liz, you've had such an impressive career at Synovus Bank over the past 20 years. In your current role, you have enormous responsibility over consumer banking products, marketing, digital, the branch network and analytics for the bank. You've been named one of American bankers, women to watch, 25 women to watch every year since year 2015. What have you found about banking that's been so engaged for you? And how have you had to reinvent yourself throughout your career as well? Oh, that's a, that's a great, it's a loaded question. But uh, I think the environment has offered me a lot of opportunity because it's continued to change. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up a banker, I like to say, although now that you say it for 20 years since I've been one, I guess I have to claim it. Uh, but I, I did grow up a banker, and I think the fact that uh, coming into banking unexpectedly, and that's another story, but coming into banking unexpectedly, I had a naivety that I brought that um, really brought a lot of questions with, why are we doing things? Why are we doing things the way we're doing it? What if we thought about this? And and I say naivety because I think looking back at some of the questions that I asked a bit with kind of abandon, I'm a bit embarrassed by it now. Um, but I, I didn't worry about asking a lot of questions um, when I first uh, entered into in, into um, Synovus and into banking. And so I think that the environment itself has continued to change. So whether that was back in 2010 when the crisis hit and the crisis required banks to do a lot of adjusting um, to the dynamics of an emerging digital environment, to COVID, I think I've had a lot of opportunity to continue to um, reinvent myself because adaptation has sort of been the name of the game in order to keep the, the business viable. What a remarkable personal journey. And with regards to Synovus, Synovus has actually been in business since 1888 and over the last few years has enjoyed very strong growth. 24% asset growth since 2019 is now over 55 billion in assets. What do you think are some of the keys to Synovus's enduring business model? Yeah, so, I mean, at, at the heart of everything, and, you know, I say this very proudly, uh, Synovus is a bank that is truly focused on the customer and relationship. And relationship with the customer, but relationships internally. I mean, the, the culture that the company has developed and is proud of and protects um, is one that you know, puts team members and customers first. Um, we certainly have shareholders that we care for, but we have a firm belief that if we put 
team members and and customers first that 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 the other falls into place and so i do think that that's generated a sustainability through hard times customers that stay with you because they trust you um, team members that work hard for you that that again will will do the things that they need to do in hard times and will work to win in the good times i think that's all based on culture I think another part of the culture that has helped Sonovas succeed in the past and into the future as well is a culture of innovation. And, and you know, this isn't a, a, it may be a word that we've adopted, but the old, old term for us was entrepreneurship. And that's something that we've always had a heart for. As a bank that grew out of uh, small bank acquisitions, one of the big things that was an important part of our model was that as we brought banks in, that we didn't just try to homogenize who they were. We, we wanted to have cultural alignment, but one of the things that we liked about having the leadership that we retained in our, in our uh, bank acquisitions and that we still retain a localized you know, management model is that that entrepreneurship was so important to bring ideas, to bring challenge to the table. And certainly for me, I've benefited from that spirit um, because uh, I always feel like whether it's something that sounds completely, you know, off the rails, that I have the ability to kind of provoke different ideas and dialogue. So, you know, it's it sounds very cliche to say it's culture, but I think we've got the proof points to say that the culture has really driven both the dynamics of customer loyalty, team member loyalty, and then that entrepreneurship that have continued to evolve the bank over time. Yeah, well, you've really been able to demonstrate it as part of the enduring model. You, you alluded to the environment that we're in, and it is a fascinating period. We have rapidly changing customer expectations, new competitive threats and traditional threats as well. And then massive growth, of course, in, in digital behavior. And I'd like to get your take on each of these, given your unique perspective, Liz. So let, let's start with customer expectations, since that's where we should always start. So research suggests that customers are expecting more from their banks. How do you believe that customer expectations of their bank is evolving, particularly in light of today's challenging environment for households? So we talk a lot about this, um, and actually we have some a presentation or a discussion with our board uh, in a couple of days where uh, my chief digital officer and my head of marketing will be really provoking the conversation about customer expectations when it comes to relationship. Um, and I think you know the the some of the t tests and checklists that banks have done over the past several years have been. Do you have digital feature and functionality? You know, how many clicks to go? Um, how many clicks until a task is completed? Is the, is the interaction seamless? You know, is it frictionless? And those are all things that you have to have. But I think you and I both know that the customer expectation has evolved well beyond is this easy to do? But what else is it doing for me? Um, I've quoted several times in several discussions the very evident and obvious um, kind of territory where customers are evolving their expectations for banks being the J.D. Power, you know, recent survey 
where uh, customers were asked, uh, and I'm going to misphrase the question, but um, substantially, how big a role, how important is it that your bank improves your financial condition? Not, can I trust my bank? Not, did the bank make it easy for me to make this deposit? But did they truly improve my financial condition? And over 80% of respondents placed a level of importance there for the bank. That is a new bar, I think, for us. It shouldn't be a new bar, right? Because we always should be aiming for that. But I think the customer expectation is you're going to do more for me than just service the transaction that I present you with. And I think that is really kind of the, the, the big one, Jody. Such a great point. You know, I always uh, remind myself if the environment that's surrounding you and the customer's needs are changing faster than the dynamics at your bank, then it usually means there's there's trouble ahead. And we certainly see that uh, in terms of the customer expectations evolving so quickly. So let's move on then to the competitive environment, Liz. Synovus is buffeted by massive super regionals and national banks on one side, and then also challenger entrants on the others. How can regional banks such as Synovus that have a strong relationship model continue to compete in this evolving environment? Well, I, I think recognizing um, recognizing the expectations and having a strategy that's matched to it is obviously job number one. Uh, and I and I say it seems obvious, Jody, but I think so many banks today aren't thinking as deliberately as they need to about the changes that need to be made. I uh, I'm proud that on our executive team, because it can't just be me, it has to be a cohesive and aligned executive team that is strategically positioning the bank with the right investments, that, that we buy in to this direction, because it's going to require effort, both you know monetary resources and then uh, organizational resources geared to um, addressing some of the new uh, competitive, new and I would say continuing competitive evolutions in the market. Um, but I think that one of the biggest things for us has been the willingness to partner to deliver. So as the customer's expectations evolve, and that includes everything from just increased digital capabilities to maybe um, thinking differently about some of the other uh, experiential um, things that you need to have within your product solutions and relationships, there are a lot of fintech partners um, that can really accelerate your ability to deliver. And, you know, the old sort of thinking for banks was, you know, be very linear in, in how you deliver, be very uh, corralled in your vendor relationships. Don't, within an experience, don't try to put four and five pieces together because that can be disastrous. And, you know, I think one of the things that we've done and our uh, head of technology, Zach Bishop, is helping to position as well as focusing on that infrastructure modernization that allows us to very, in a, in a very different risk, uh, operational risk environment, deliver with multiple partners. So I think partnerships and the evolution of who's out there to partner with and the improvement that has been made in fintechs in the past five years uh, has been phenomenal. Our ability to partner and deliver pretty rapidly with them 
um, is as much about our maturity as, as it is about theirs. And so um, the short answer to your question about what is one of the ways that Synovus can compete, it's to partner and to be open to that. And um, I think that's served us very well. It's a really interesting way to think about it, you know, with the national banks and some of the biggest banks having you know, billion dollar technology budgets, the the banks that are in the middle market really being savvy around developing an internal kind of maturity model to create an ecosystem of partnerships, as well as then fintechs having to raise their game so that they can complement the bank's assets more effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the types of things we're having to partner on today really get a bit personal. And I know you and I talk a lot about personalization, but these are areas of the relationship. So whether that is through insights or uh, whether that's through some other customer touch point, when you start to invade the space of the customer relationship, I think that's where banks get very obviously for good reason, protective of how many people they're gonna allow into that equation. And I do think that um, FinTechs are now uh, more mature and, and can better fit to be a part of that relationship model you know, discussion and, and get yeah. the credibility you know, to be part of that delivery. Yeah. Fascinating. So on the third point, this whole, uh, what you've been speaking of is the customer shift to digital behavior. So for middle market banks like Synovus, what are the key areas to invest in and deliver on to not just meet, but also anticipate or exceed customer expectations moving forward? Um, absolutely. The thing that I referenced before. So infrastructure modernization, your technical infrastructure modernization. Um, that's on everybody's to-do list, but I would just say um, being very deliberate about making that a priority and um, and, and, and doing that in a way that's very geared to, to what you want to plug and play with is important. I think building your analytic strength, and so that's something that we've been doing because analytics is going to be the key to uh, whether or not your bank can really infuse um, personalization in a contextual way into the relationship. Uh, and, and that's, it's not just about the data. So there are investments in data that have to be made. Of course, banks have a lot of data. It's more about investing in how the pipes and how that data is synthesized. And that includes people that we haven't necessarily had in banks before in talent, like data scientists. And those are obvious, but you also need change management and change champions that can affect the ability to weave what the data sciences are doing truly into the business model. And I think that's where probably some of the biggest um, understanding gaps are for banks today, that you can't just have data and now you can't just have data scientists. You have to have um, the change management thinkers and leaders that can help weave that into your business model. And that, that doesn't have to be a separate set of people but it does have to be, you know, people that can discernibly, you know, make that happen. So Liz, how will consumer experiences and engagement become more personalized? And how is Synovus preparing for that future? 
you and I talk a lot about this, and I think at the heart of it is in order to be personal, you know, what does it take, right? It takes me knowing you and knowing you in, you know, a very intimate, you know, way when it comes to your finances. It means um, I know, uh, I, I understand your needs. I understand how your actions maybe conflict or align with those needs. And I'm positioned to talk to you about that. We can call it advice, um, and that's what we do call it, but we have to be positioned to know our customers. And that's all, and our customers give us insights every day about themselves through their data, through their transactions, through their, what they're doing and what they're not doing. And as a bank, if we really want to choreograph digital into the relationship, then we have to be able to leverage that data and give it back, you know, to our customers. I, I love to challenge our teams, you know, about relationship and, and personalization. And it, you don't have to see somebody face-to-face, -face, you know, to be personal. I use the example all the time. Um, I should probably get some kind of uh, uh, payment from uh, Apple because I use the Apple watch all the time and talk about the relationship that I have with my watch. Um, I don't think I cared how many steps I took every day until Apple fed that back to me. Similarly, why are we not thinking the same thing about banking? You know, I think the power of how we can use the data, we don't need to overthink it, right? I mean, we, why don't we use it to tell our customers about themselves in ways that they're not thinking about, you know, their financial activity today. They monitor, you know, maybe the balance in their checkbook, but there's so much more beyond the balance. And so I think to be personalized, we have to get in there and we have to get into their day-to-day, -day, you know, life and sort of, you know, give that information back in the same way that this Apple Watch gives me. And if I don't meet my three goals at the end of the day, I'm devastated. I mean, we have competition in our house about that. We need to be embedded the same way. I mean, that's what it's like to be personal. That's what it's like to have relationship. It means it, it, it means being a constant part of, you know, that customer's, that individual's life day in, day out. That's a good kind of competition, but it's always good to have one over on your kids if you can beat them at something. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, Liz, in, in our partnership, you've exhibited such strong personal leadership and conviction in terms of developing the right kinds of insights for your customers. Why have you found it so important for you to be personally vested and engaged in providing that kind of leadership? Well, you can tell, obviously, I'm convicted. I'm convicted that um, <laughs> without it, that we truly cannot deliver on relationship. And I think that while in general, as an industry, you know, we get it. I still think there's some resistance. I still think we try to partition off, here's what's going to happen in our branches and here's what's going to happen, you know, in the digital environment. And those that choose to adopt it, great. What I would tell you is we as a bank wouldn't, will not be able to deliver what I think is a wholesome relationship if, if we, we don't weave what we've been talking about in there from a digital delivery standpoint, because we don't have the human capacity 
to be that connected without the help of digital and data. Um, you know, we are, I oversee all the branches within our network. And one of the questions that I've been asked is, how do you really motivate branch teams to, you know, be digital champions? Because in a sense, it takes away what they do. And I, and I you know, I just think that's a crazy statement. Like I, we position, you know, team members within our physical locations to be advisors and to serve our customers. And whether or not they're doing a, a deposit, which I, which I think is a lot easier to do remotely, um, should not, you know, devalue them. It just means they can do something different within the four walls of the the branch. Then work on a deposit. What if they had a conversation? about um, that customer's uh, transactional insights. That's a much better way for that customer to walk away with value. Um, So, you know, I'm convicted because I think it's so critical. One of the things that I use to maybe convince individuals about the importance and value of digital to our customers, I use the NSF example. So today, if a customer has insufficient funds, um, if we send them an operational notice overnight, you know, maybe that, that happens that day overnight, that operational notice gets printed eight days later, maybe in today's USPS, you know, it gets to the customer. What's happened between day one and day eight? You and I both know that if that customer doesn't have the awareness, they've probably created an exponential situation for themselves, where if they're digitally connected, I may be able to warn them before it even happens. Think about the value to that customer. It's not about efficiency for me. It, it, of course, it, you know, that digital will provide me more efficiency, but that is a small, small example of the value that I can give, you know, to the customer. Seeing their transactions daily, I may have an insight that I want to deliver them. If they don't walk into the branch for nine days, I may miss an opportunity to have a great conversation. If I'm connected with them outside of just the branch, you know, network, I have the ability to reach out, to touch, to put something in front of them, whether or not it's something that they want to consume or whether it's something not something they want to act on today or not. At least I've done my part in being proactive and presenting that to them. So I think our true relationship is disabled without, you know, me sort of without championing those digital you know, elements. So yes, I'm a mouthpiece. I'm very passionate about it, but I do believe that's what we need to bring to our customers. Well, one of the things I really appreciate about you, Liz, you've been in banking for 20 years, but you're always thinking about not just the, what the customer needs, but also what is next, you know, and aspiring to achieve that. And I think that's, uh, it's really a testament to your, to your leadership. So one of the things you talked about also was the role of the banker. So say more about that. How, how should the role of the banker evolve in an environment where there's so much intelligence and data being gathered through digital channels that can potentially be leveraged more effectively in banker interactions. Yeah, we, we talk about this all the time. We were talking this morning um, about some of our, you know, evolving branch strategies and for our teams, um, how we can continue to refine, you know, the expectations um, of of how they're interacting with our customers. So I, I think the the evolution is, in my eyes, pretty obvious. It's 
as a company, we have to enable and put into the hands of our bankers the information about our customers that provoke those next best conversations. Notice I didn't say next best product. It could be a solution. It could be a conversation. And, and that's very much how we need to, to think about, you know, think about that relationship. Um, but, but I think from a banker standpoint, we're going to see a lot more dialogue, you know, and a, and a lot less, you know, I think uh, register clicking when it comes to what those interactions are yeah. in, the, in the branch. And so I think the evolution is um, empowering and enabling our banking teams through, you know, the development of really strong data analytics that we turn into tools that can be distributed and that they can then use on a day-in, day-out basis um, to, to have that dialogue and to take that customer through that next best conversation. Yeah. Even that lexicon around personalized insights and next best conversation allows kind of the, the digital and the assisted channel, the banker channel, to really have a role in being able to deliver that. I think those channels have to be connected more, like we like we said. I mean, I think we've done yeah. a, I think that the where we are on kind of the maturity spectrum is we've taken some transactions and made them omni-channel, but and I, I'm giving grace to the industry because connecting all those parts and pieces is really challenging. Um, but I think the next step is not just the transaction, but all the interactions have to be very omni-channel. And if I serve up an insight on uh, our digital experience, how does my banker know that that insight occurred? And so that if the person walks into the branch, um, uh, I am just as relevant to the dialogue that they're having digitally with Synovus as I am the fact that, you know, I may have said hello and um, to them last time and seen, you know, seen them out in the community and seen them at a, you know, seen them at a, 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 you know, athletic event for their kids. That's great. But wouldn't it also be great if I also knew that um, they'd had a different touch point through the digital, uh, the digital experience that I could carry forward, you know, and really blend that choreography. Yeah. I just, I, I, yeah. I see it, and I, this is really corny, I see it as a dance, <laughs> a beautiful dance of that choreography between the digital and the human comes together. And right now, I think most banks, and we're, we're one of them, you know, we're, we're in the elementary class of that, but I, I, I see the future where that comes together really beautifully. Well, maybe there's still an opportunity for some of, the, some of us that just weren't good dancers. <laughs> there is. Do this in the future. Uh, but you're right in terms of even understanding that, uh, you know, this customer may have a liquidity issue in the future, or maybe they have excess, you know, liquidity in their funds and they should be saving. Those are all great things to engage, not just digitally, but also from bankers, particularly those customers that have a branch proclivity as well. And I think you're right in terms of saying this is the next stage. We're doing a lot in digital, but this connected channels is really the next uh, next horizon for the industry to take on. Yeah. So uh, from a customer perspective, what do you perceive that they should see as the benefits from this? What kinds of gains and, uh, and benefits will they see? Well, you know, I hope they see um, empowerment more. I mean, you know, again, I, I go back to the same analogy, but I feel so much more empowered and in control of my health and my health goals 
when, you know, a watch takes the information that I do every day and speaks it back to me. I'm not tracking everything I do. Um, I'm kind of glad it doesn't track everything I eat. I don't know that I want to know that, but I feel empowered. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about that. And yet I have an analysis at the end of the day that I can act on and either, you know, go out and wash, rinse and repeat if it was awesome, or, you know, I can do better, you know, the next day. And so that gives me this empowerment and this control that I didn't feel before. And I, and I feel like we, we can create the same thing from a financial perspective. I think these things are real enablers. Um, and yes, we're going to be there to partner and advise, hopefully be proactively ahead, you know, of the customer. But it's that, it's that sort of empowerment and control that I think the customer can feel in a different way than they may feel today that I think is of real value, you know, to them. And hopefully it makes them super curious and more invested in, you know, their own, their own wellness. Great point. You know, Liz, you've been already been so provocative, but I'll give you one more chance to kind of even extend our thinking further. So what will customers demand from banks and credit unions in the next three years that the industry may not be fully prepared for? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the metaverse. And I think, you know, we're definitely not prepared for that Um, (laughs) because I did get asked a question about the metaverse. And, you know, you and I giggle about it, but it's coming. There's going to be some expectation, you know, there from a metaverse standpoint. And and, um, I I do think that there are a a lot of banks playing around with just having just being there. But no, I, I don't think the metaverse is going to be the center of things. Um, I, it goes back to what I said before, Jody. I think it's they're going to expect more contextual connectivity across all the touch points as, along with the transactional connectivity. So I can start an application online and I can finish it in the branch. That's sort of today's expectation. But to, to the point I was making earlier, I get an insight online. I'm going to expect that when I go into the branch, I don't have to show that to you, that you know that, and that that high tech and high touch is so blended um, that my relationship feels wholesome. And I think that's what they should expect. I think they're going to expect us to come up with ways to look at, react, and interpret their financial condition that they don't even imagine today. Um, so how are we presenting that information back? What are the maybe tactics that we're suggesting to them to improve financial health uh, and to pre- improve the performance of, of, of their value? Um, I think, so, so it's almost like we don't know what we don't know. I think they're going to just expect us to do more in terms of value and not just service. This is such an important point. This isn't about just, you know, this is the cool technology today and then like what's coming three years later. I think your point around developing deeper relationships based on the data, being able to deliver personalized insights, advice through connected channels, we're still in the early innings of that. This will continue to evolve in terms of its capability, in terms of the execution effectiveness, in terms of the industry's ability to to deliver it in a way that customers appreciate 
and then for customers to be able to fully capitalize on it. In fact, expect it also of their banks. So there's a long runway left to come. And I think it's a really important point to, that you were making there where let's continue to invest in this space, which we know will really make a difference in customers' financial wellness and their well-being. Well, and and Jody, you know how important it is to me. I think I, I said to your team at one point, I want to sit down and walk through the inventory of insights that we're going to deliver in a very specific way. And I think they looked at me and said, I don't think any you know, executive has ever asked that before. And I said, well, I think we're, we are at this very important point of how we are humanizing you know, that digital relationship. So every conversation, every insight to me you know, needs to be you know, connected and it needs to have meaning beyond just you know, that, that sort of event in itself. And so I, I, I can't un, we can't undervalue you know, how important the development you know, that humanization is. Well, Liz, I want to thank you. You've given us great personalized insights uh, on your own journey, as well as thoughts around how to compete in this new environment and how to meet and exceed customer needs. Um, thank you for participating on our podcast, Banking on Innovation. And I know the audience will appreciate your perspective and your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining another episode of Banking on Innovation. Make sure you subscribe to get future podcast episodes or follow us on Twitter at Personetics or on Personetics.com.